mindful of falling building inspectors. Too soon? I mean, it really just hasn't been there here. Hello, friends, and uh, welcome in to this, the 175th edition of Fusebox, caustically entitled Crown of Corrosion. And uh, I'm your singing the right hymn in the wrong church host, Mark Rose, and over there, skillfully shoring up the support beams of audio excellence, the high priest of the uh, parametric, Milt Keynes, everybody. Yeah, thank you kindly. And hey, hey, you know what? We're not making light of building tragedy, so uh, don't pick at us or send us dead mole rats or anything. No, we're just telling the truth. And uh, more on that in a bit, friends. So uh, I can see already that the summer has uh, officially begun and uh, early for us. Uh, Indulge us for a moment, friends, as we talk talk weather. It's a taboo thing, but we're going to chat about it. What the flaming fuck? Oregon. Yes. And uh, what what many of uh, you out there may not know about this region of the country, specifically the Pacific Northwest, this area is uh, what's known as a temperate rainforest. It's uh, usually very mild here for the most part and uh, does have a fair amount of rain, albeit uh, misty most of the time which uh, thankfully keeps the place eternally green, which is fabulous. So uh, during the summer, uh, which usually begins for us around July 4th or so, it can heat up, but typically into the 80s and maybe upper 90s. But a few days back, we broke all records for this area and hit 118 degrees. Yeah, and uh, those aren't records for just the day. Yeah, that's right. This was the hottest day ever recorded, period. I mean, when you have overnight temps in uh, the upper 80s, oh, you're in trouble. See, the other thing out here is that uh, air conditioning is, for the most part, it's just not a common thing. Now, many homes are uh, built without central air because, well, at least uh, prior to us entering this recent hell dimension, we really never got consistently hot enough to warrant it. Now, I do remember some days in the past, a few years back, that, uh, yeah, I got pretty warm, like 99 even. Yeah, right. But 118? Man, the streets, were they they were buckling out here. Yeah, and to make matters even uh, more irritating, the power went out for many due to uh, electrical cables uh, just shorting out because of the excessive heat stress. Yeah, lucky for me, I had power. The uh, one AC window unit I have did an okay job for a couple of days, but 
Bro, when we hit that 100 degree plus patch, I, I, I was working out ways to sleep in the refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and th- that weekend, especially uh, that, that Friday, Saturday and Sunday, and a little bit of Monday too, really, it was unbearable. And uh, of course, the Tuesday before the big heat wave hit, one of the uh, portable AC units that I have upstairs, yeah, decided, I'm done. Here's some nice hot air to keep you all cozy, though. So, uh, quick like a prairie squid, I dashed online to see if a replacement, of course, could be found. And uh, luckily, yeah, there was. Ordered it and... Uh, Back ordered for three months? No, no, no. In stock. But uh, the two-day estimated delivery? Yeah. Yeah, it came uh, ten days later. Yeah. It showed up after the big heat wave, right about the time we were back in the 70s. Perfect. The job well done. Uh, well, now, in, in, in truth, I'll, I'll still need it, of course. I'm sure August will have some uh, temps to deal with, if this uh, last patch is any indication. Well, sad thing, too, was the fatalities. Yeah, and uh, the authorities report that it, uh, quoting here, at least 100 people died across Oregon due to the temperature surge, which saw Portland hit an unprecedented 118 degrees Fahrenheit, the third temperature record set in a three-day period. The heat dome saw decades-old records fall up and down the West Coast, prompting days-long emergency warnings in a region where many residents don't have air conditioning. So, yeah, it, uh, it was historic. Yeah, most of the folks that died were uh, in their own homes and not like, you know, living on the street or something. So, uh, man, it, it was a thing, bro. It is a thing. Now, of course, the city was attempting to do anything and everything it could to uh, help folks beat the heat, giving out uh, portable fans. And, and uh, one organization I heard about was actually going so far as to get uh, portable air conditioning units to uh, people in need. Yeah, I heard that, too. You know, it's, it's why I think, uh, given the choice, I, I'd rather have the extreme cold than heat. I mean, you can always put on another sweater. You, you, you can't really take off your skin. Although, I'm thinking there are some folks out there that are probably into that. You know, there's probably a whole web community of folks. You know, the Skinwalkers Vestibule Collective. You know what I'm talking about? Take your skin off, put it on a hanger in the closet. Maybe grab a more sheer version. Or not. Yeah, no. And I know, too, that every time we see this kind of thing uh, with the weather, it uh, reminds us of the climate change issue, and it's something we desperately need to not only pay attention to, but to kind of get on with mitigating it. Oh, I'm sure those fossil fuel folks will get right on that. Sure, just as soon as they figure out a way to egregiously overcharge for sunlight. Pine-scented. I like that. The show for everybody, but not everybody will like it. So, we're very well aware that uh, we take a little fun poke, thank you, 
from time to time uh, down in that uh, place there, uh, down there, in that area down there. You know that place. But the Sunshine State uh, has been the focus recently because of the uh, tragic collapse of a condominium in the city of Surfside, located near Miami. Man, footage of that thing coming down is just like hell. You know, at first I thought it was like a controlled demolition. The way that thing came down, I mean, it literally pancaked. Yeah, it did look like that. And, 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 and it was absolutely horrific, uh, knowing that there were people... Uh, in the building at the time, most sleeping, I would suppose, as it was something like, what, one o'clock in the morning? I can't imagine. It's just horrible, man. It was and uh, is. Uh, Since that, of course, uh, search and rescue procedures are uh, ongoing, but I I think at this point it's more of a search. Over 100 people still uh, unaccounted for, at least at the time of uh, this recording, and there are going to be huge repercussions from this event as uh, evidently this building had uh, reports on file indicating a slew of structural flaws. And as you might imagine, lawsuits are being filed as we speak. Yeah, folks living there had posted a bunch of pictures. You could see like uh, water leaking in the parking garage and the the, the concrete had like... uh, Rust stains bleeding through where I guess uh, the rebar had gotten wet or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think the term is spalling, where moisture seeps into the steel reinforced concrete. Uh, concrete, by the way, which is really quite porous. So it takes that water in and it, you know, there it starts the, the deterioration. Well, you know, they say they have some of the strictest building codes anywhere because of the hurricane threats every 11 seconds and stuff. Well, yeah, and that's kind of what I wanted to address. They uh, do have this 40-year recertification inspection thing that goes on there, and uh, buildings, such as the one we're talking about here, have to undergo a critical structural appraisal and recertification process to uh, ensure that the building is uh, structurally sound. Yeah, sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah, it truly is. And Florida is one of the only places in the country that has a process like this. Now, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stretch the imagination a little bit here and say that uh, it uh, might have been a little more consistent affair when the uh, 40-year time examination concerned buildings built in the 1970s. But as we approach the 1980s, it's a whole other deal. Cocaine decisions. Exactly. As chronicled famously in the song by Frank Zappa, Cocaine Decisions, which reflects on really bad ideas which sounded pretty good to you during that last snort. You see, back in 1992... When uh, the uh, now infamous Hurricane Andrew blasted through Florida, and it was a Category 5 hurricane, and just flattened a lot of South Florida. Uh, Once that uh, devastation had settled and federal agencies came in to uh, assess the damage, one of the things they found was that uh, in an area called Homestead, that uh, many of the homes there that uh, had their roofs torn right off uh, because of the 177-mile-an-hour winds. Well, sir, they found a reason 
beyond the high wind. 177 miles an hour? Holy carp. Yeah. The amazing thing they found was uh, these roofs were evidently stapled onto the frames and not secured in the normal way. The vast majority of these homes were built in the 1980s during yet another building boom. Stapled. Yeah. The grift was thick in those days of white powder power, Mr. Kane. So all this to say that the structures they're going to be evaluating now (laughs) need to be really scrutinized. Uh, Buildings such as the uh, Champlain Towers, which sadly collapsed, uh, was built in 1981. And so uh, there's going to be a a whole other set of compound eyes on uh, this situation because things are, are bound to get dicey with these structures. All kinds of cut corners. Wow. Yeah. Now, I'm sure the tendency, of course, would be to ramp up the scrutiny anyway. But as I said... (laughs) It's going to be needing a lot more eyes watching this process now. Well, you know, Florida's reputation for shady land deals is kind of legendary. Hell, even the Marx Brothers covered the idea in coconuts. Weren't weren't they running like a a hotel in Florida? Exactly. And and as I recall, uh, also in that movie, it involved a land scam thing. Uh, uh, because, as we know, this was 1930s Florida, which was having a building boom. Uh, it's probably going to be a, a, a mess placing blame for this thing. Well, a few of the lawsuits have uh, named the Condominium Association, of course, as it appears they didn't really react with a lot of enthusiasm. Seeing as the report from the engineering team that did the inspection said that there were many, many potentially dangerous structural issues that uh, needed to be addressed kind of right now. And the Condo Association got that report in... 2018. Yep, jumping right in there, lickety-split. Yeah, that's the main snag. These were critical flaws, and uh, they needed to be addressed ASAP. I'm sure it was going to be spendy to fix it, yeah? Safe bet. But you know what? There's really no excuse here. It's, it's what has to be done. I'm sure the, the uh, Condominium Association was very quick to take its monthly fees from the residents, right? A portion of which, I'm pretty sure, has to go towards building upkeep and the like. Well, wouldn't you think? If it were any place else, yeah. It seems to me a lot of the folks down there seem to be using the same playbook as Trump. Cook the books and hide the evidence. Well, they do now occupy the same state, as it would turn out. Orange Guy has his tiny hands filled with legal issues, indictments of his CFO, a looming RICO Act, and... Well, you know, grift is the gift that keeps on grifting. (laughs) So, you know, look, I don't want to get off on Orange Guy, but how many damn times did we hear him say that nobody knows more about the tax code, or virtually anything else, than him? And yet, he seems to be a wee confused as to whether or not to declare money received to pay for cars, apartments, and, and, and uh, private school tuition. Well, if paying off a hooker is considered a consultation fee, then all bets are off. Hey, I, I don't know, did you catch...
gets this story of the, the racist jackass who went on this rant out in front of his neighbor's house, repeatedly calling him, uh, you know, the N-word, and then telling the guy who was filming him what his address was and challenged him to come see me. <laughs> no, do tell, Mr. Keynes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was in the uh, Washington Post reported by Julian Mark. And uh, apparently, this took place in uh, Mount Laurel, New Jersey. It says uh, a, a man identified as Edward Cagney Matthews, who police say yelled racist slurs in front of a residence in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, gave out his address to a person filming him and then challenged them to visit his home. Bring whoever, Matthews added. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the video, which appears to show Matthews repeatedly calling his black neighbor the N-word and a monkey, went viral. Three days later, protesters started showing up at the address listed in the video. By Monday morning, dozens of protesters had gathered outside of Matthews' door chanting, We want Edward. And uh, by the evening, the crowd appeared to have grown to more than 100. <laughs> Big surprise. Well, clearly this guy has the IQ of a paper towel. With a line of police officers guarding his house, Matthews briefly emerged during the protest and uh, tried to apologize. But uh, protesters remained livid as he faced charges for his behavior in the video, including harassment and biased intimidation. Police later escorted Matthews out of his home with his hands behind his back. Protesters cheered while some hurled food and water bottles at him. He said to pull up. We pulled up. Aliyah Robinson, 43, who lives near Matthews, said, We're not going to tolerate this anymore. Uh, Matthews uh, could not be reached for comment late Monday, but his racist tirade was a result of him being drunk, and the confrontation involved a long-running dispute over the Homeowners Association. I certainly wasn't expecting an encounter like that, and certainly wasn't expecting to disrespect anybody, Matthews said. Let me be clear. That is no excuse for what I said, but I lost my temper. You know, if you don't step in that excrement, you don't have to clean it off your shoes later. In a statement early Monday, the Mount Laurel Police Department said the incident began at 7.50 p.m. on Friday when a resident reported she was continually harassed by her neighbor, whom police identified as Matthews. And after the video of him spread on social media, which ranked up tens of thousands of views by Monday... Police launched the investigation and then announced the charges. Yeah, it's just a, another example, Mr. Keynes, of someone wearing the crown of corrosion. Go ahead. Crown him. And uh, speaking of low-hanging fruit, an Austrian man was bitten by a python early in the morning while sitting on his toilet after the over five-foot reptile reportedly escaped from his neighbor's apartment and slithered through the drains. <laughs> oh, God. This is a cringy story. I just, 
Anyway, a 65-year-old resident of Graz, Austria, said he, quote, felt a nip in the genital region. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that, that's that low-hanging for Okay. After sitting on the toilet around 6 a.m., when he looked inside, he discovered the albino reticulated python, according to a statement uh, from the local police. A reptile expert was brought into the scene to remove the python, and the snake was cleaned and returned to the man's 24-year-old neighbor, who was apparently unaware of the snake's disappearance. The neighbor, who police said owns a total of 11 non-venomous constrictor snakes and a gecko Gecko. in his apartment, faces an investigation over the uh, incident for negligently causing bodily harm to his neighbor. The victim was uh, reportedly treated in the hospital after sustaining minor injuries from the bite. Uh, Well, you know, that'll show you. Yeah, it just might be a damn good idea to take a peek in there before taking a... <laughs> Sage advice, Mr. Keynes. And uh, as we all know, uh, we we share this world with a variety of other species, you know? <laughs> and uh, they, too, have the right to... Uh, Use our plumbing? Eh. <laughs> so our uh, last treat here. Hanker's back. Uh, to that scene in the uh, first Jurassic Park film, you know, where a little insect is seen perfectly preserved in amber. Oh, yeah, then all hell breaks loose. Well, that same thing has just happened again. And uh, for real, too. Are we going to have rabid brontoceratops stomping through downtown Portland? Uh, No, no mutant dinosaurs this time out. Just an unfortunate tale of an ant... It would seem. The oldest ant specimen to be infected by a parasitic fungus has been discovered. A 50 million year old carpenter ant with a bulbous mushroom protruding from its rectum. Um, we have a theme going here or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, just ironic coincidence, I think. Uh, researchers here at Oregon State University uncovered the horrific scene in amber that uh, was uncovered in uh, Europe's Baltic region. I thought you said it was in his rectum. I did. No, that's the ant's backside, not Europe's. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, the fungus, named uh, Alicordyceps, is part of the modern fungi, or fungi, genus Apiocordyceps, but uh, it has uh, developmental phases, evidently, never recorded. Along with pushing through the rectum, the parasite grew throughout the ant's body, which experts say caused a slow and uh, gruesome death for the small insect. Well, that's cheery. Yeah. Well, apparently modern-day carpenter ants are uh, common hosts of fungal pathogens uh, of this particular fungi. Uh, This fungus infects a host, and then it uh, takes over their behavior that is uh, beneficial, then, to the parasite's growth and transmission. Reminds me of those uh, zombie ants. Isn't that a parasite, too? Where it takes the ant over and uh, makes it do whatever? Run for Congress? Well, only in Arizona, evidently. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah.
So, uh, in addition to the exotic things often found frozen in amber, (laughs) we get evidence of things like this, too. Pretty grim. But just shows you that that uh, whole parasitic thing has been uh, going on for a very, very, very long time. Yes, and with that bit of prehistoric parasitic trivia... We shall uh, take our salt air, corroded crowns, and coffee-stained and dog-eared documents proving that the ghost of Hugo Chavez actually runs a food cart in Altoona and squeeze back under the rotting floorboards. But not before thanking our contributor to this edition of Fusebox, Aaron Lane. Thanks as well for the non-corrosive manipulation of the oral landscape and other technical assistance from the facile hands of the Doctor of Decibels, Milk Kane. Pleasure as always. And of course, thanks to you, friends, for pushing play on this edition of the program. We do really appreciate it. Yeah, and while you're at it, how about you throw all caution to the wind? Subscribe to this show. Maybe even give us a star or nine. If you're so inclined, write a review wherever you found us. That is simply a superb idea, Mr. Keynes, and you can even go one tick more and follow the bouncing editor here as he informs you on how easy it is to... Hey, it's as simple as pie. You go to thefuseboxshow.com and click on the shopping tab. And like flippin' magic, there you are. Oh, and if you're one of those book-a-face folks, click on the Shop Now button on the Fusebox Show Facebook page. Okay? Also, quick as a button. There you go. Enough said. Positively painless. We thank you for your patronage. And uh, I have been your feeling-like royalty but still need a valid ID host. Mark Rose saying, until... Our next cartoon. Fuse box.